0: You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to this, your Apple Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and joining me is the wisdom of
1: William Gallagher. Not the rest of me, just the wisdom. So it's a very small appearance this week. Yeah.
0: We will take what we can get.
1: <laughs> yes, we will.
0: Now, I, I want to go ahead and remind everyone at the outset that that first of all, we love your feedback. Please go ahead and email Victor at AppleInsider.com or William at AppleInsider.com. Find us on Twitter. We enjoy hearing from you. Also, I need to remind you that the Apple battery replacement program that was priced at $29 is coming to a close. If you have a device and your battery is suffering, if your battery is weak, if your battery could possibly use to be replaced, you ought to go ahead and take advantage of that before December
1: 31st. Actually, I just realized, can I throw in there? Because we talked about this before, because you and I both had iPhone sixes and went through the battery thing. If you don't realize that your battery is slow, you just you think your phone's getting slower anyway. You can go to settings, battery, battery health, and it will actually tell you, ooh, this needs replacing. So you can look at it there. But really, if it's slow at all, this is your time to do it.
0: Yes. And it's not a difficult process, right? It's the sort of thing that takes about you know, two hours at a busy Apple store. You yes. You you drop, you know, you make your appointment, you go in, you drop it off, come back two hours, fresh battery.
1: Yes. When I did this, uh, it was at the peak of this, so it took three hours that time, slightly unusual. And in that time, uh, Tesla across the street tried to sell me a car like I had a chance. They were unsuccessful in that effort, <laughs> weren't they? Yeah, a little bit. But they gave me a gorgeous test ride, and I was very clear that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, I might have said just because you don't have one in the right color, but... Yeah, you know, I was
0: yeah. <laughs> valiant effort, my friend. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Now, Qualcomm, we've talked about Qualcomm before. Oh yeah. Qualcomm say that they are on the doorstep of resolving their legal troubles with Apple, their legal battles. They are they are nearly at resolution. Now what happened here is that Steve Mollenkopf told CNBC's Jim Cramer that that they talk as companies that the situation is consistent with, quote, the fourth quarter of the game, not the first quarter. And they've always sort of talked that the second half of this year and next is when they really would be on the doorstep of finding the solution. And they don't see anything different in that. They figure they're still on track. Uh, they, he, he also suggested that Qualcomm would love to work with Apple, particularly on 5G-equipped iPhones. You can view this a couple of ways. You can view this as them wanting to get this resolved because they're paying a lot of money to lawyers – you can view this as wanting to get this resolved. They tried to settle earlier, so they wouldn't have to have a judgment of any kind, and and that didn't quite work out in their favor because they weren't allowed to have the settlement, and they uh, they ended up being required to license their their patented technology. And the recurring theme here is the accusation that Qualcomm abused its market dominance to make chip buyers sign unfair patent deals. So already that's that's kind of being upset now. Qualcomm, they make a bunch of stuff. They make wireless chips. They make uh, they make the the modems for these cell phones. They're the owners of the technology for CDMA technology, which is why this has been a big deal for them, and why Apple still uses them for the Sprint and Verizon handsets, where they're using Intel everywhere else. This this is the the pressure has been on them because Apple's been directing its manufacturers to withhold royalty payments. So there's a lot of money involved, seven billion up in the air potentially, just in terms of those royalty payments. Right. And so this has to come to close and and no one wants this hanging out very long. And, and we saw with the Samsung trial that as soon as that, as that was ongoing and as soon as it was wrapped, Apple kept them as a supplier and it was simply about resolving that issue. And Qualcomm is hoping that the same is true here, but that that licensing of the patented technology opens the door for Apple to use from suppliers like Intel and MediaTek who could license from Qualcomm. And, Qualcomm doesn't want to
1: lose their their dominance here because that's been one of the big cash cows. Mm-hmm. I'm following that. I'm just – I don't know why they're saying now that it's almost resolved. I, I imagine uh, Apple hasn't said, yes, they're right. It's almost resolved.
0: Apple doesn't say a whole lot though, especially Correct. not in the middle of litigation.
1: Good point. you right.
0: Right? I mean you don't <laughs> – classically, if you're in the middle of litigation, you don't go out and talk about the litigation. <laughs> Although Steve Mollenkopf is saying – we yeah. think we're at the end of it. We think we're nearly resolved is is amicable. It's also not letting on a whole lot. The only no. thing that he could be doing going on Kramer like that is trying to keep their stock price afloat. And that's speculation on my part. I have no knowledge. It's just that the, the idea is if you're going out and telling people things are rosy and coming to a close, that the uncertainty is almost over, isn't that what you're trying to do?
1: Yes, that makes sense, I guess. Okay. I just mm. – curious to see what happens next, I suppose. After now when we talk about Qualcomm, but it all seems to take a slightly different turn than I'm expecting. Um, perhaps this will be a nice turn and it will all be happily resolved.
0: You know, they, they make good parts. Let's let's be – as a consumer, I have Wi-Fi products that have their chipset in the Wi-Fi products and they work brilliantly. They are among the top performing products that I have for Wi-Fi gear. And, and you know I've reviewed a fair amount of stuff, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I would hate for them to get into a downward spiral, right? You know, one one of the worst things that could happen is for them to be in in a bad position because this puts a big cloud over them and then they no longer supply the modems and then they no longer supply – you know, it just – look at what happened with imagination, right? They, they were making the graphics chip for Apple, for the iPhone. They no longer do that now they're searching for customers and barely staying afloat
1: yeah I don't think I've even heard of imagination they were the makers yeah Yeah. so
0: there was there's the GPU that was in the um, in an iPhone previously and and they're pretty much you know where are they we don't talk about them anymore
1: well clearly not no okay
0: (laughs) and you know Qualcomm is is brilliant and large right now and supplies a huge amount of things but this this is I think they're gonna come out of this okay I think they come out of this okay. I think they come out of this. Um, the, the, you know, the, the the questionable marks for them are the the ones where they have to license the technology, and they have to collect uh, royalty payments that are are fair and aren't you know over collecting or double collecting or things like that. And that's that's kind of it. That's I, I think where the pinches on them. So maybe they have to find more customers. Maybe they have to. But, but, you know, the truth is they're, they're pretty good because they also have the Snapdragon and so their CPU is used in pretty much, not entirely, but pretty much in most Android phones, especially most of the good ones. You know, you'd much rather have a Snapdragon Android phone than a MediaTek. And they are the chip suppliers for Android Wear products. Now, they, they've been slow about revising that chipset because Android Wear has been a little slow. The question is: Is Android Wear slow because the chipset's two years old, or is the chipset two years old because Android Wear has no adoption?
1: Right, good point. Chicken and egg, all yeah. of that stuff. Nature versus nature, Android. Yes. So you saying they're fine, really? They're in a they're not they're a great not, position now.
0: It's not a doomsday scenario for them. It's not. Okay. It's not amazing, but I think they're going to come out of it okay.
1: And, sorry, we, I always ask you too much about Qualcomm when things want to move on. But you don't think this is a chance that they'll come out of it in a position weak enough that somebody else will just buy them completely? Okay, I can hear the can open, the worms everywhere on that one.
0: The number of people that can buy them are rather small.
1: Well, I know I couldn't, for example. I, saw, I see your point, yes.
0: With the spare change you found in your couch cushions, yeah?
1: Yeah, well, I'm saving, but, right. you
0: know. -hmm. So, so what we know is, remember that last time we talked about them, that Apple was hiring for wireless engineers in San Diego near their headquarters.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, I remember that.
0: Okay. In the meantime, also in this landscape of things, Amazon has started making their own ARM chip for cloud purposes. You know, currently, Mm -mm. Amazon one of their businesses is AWS where they run the cloud for pretty much half the internet. Yes. Right. When Amazon's cloud goes down, half the internet literally goes
1: offline. Yes. Staggeringly so. Yes.
0: Yes. And it's because they have a giant farm of servers where they can spin up instances on demand and it works great. You don't have to maintain your own server farm as a company. It's an awesome deal. Well, they had, they got tired of waiting around for someone to make an arm processor that would be good for servers for them. So they've started making their own.
1: Okay, that seems like quite a big step it, to make.
0: It it is. It is, but you know, where where was this? I was talking with people that I knew about arm in the cloud as as cloud services a couple of years ago and nothing came of it. And Amazon must have felt the same way and said nothing came of it. And so now now they're doing it. And my thought is this is a business line that Qualcomm either should have looked at or did look at and turned down and one reason is if you look at this, who are your competitors? Your competitors are Intel and AMD. Well, those guys are old and slow and haven't gotten around to doing anything with ARM useful anyway. They missed the boat on mobile now they're missing the boat on cloud. The other thing is who else are your customers? Well, Amazon is half the internet. What about the other half?
1: <laughs> right. You know, okay. could,
0: you, could you sell to Microsoft to run Azure? I guess you could. Uh, who else?
1: Uh, isn't Google in third place or something? Something of?
0: like that, yeah, cloud computing. Yeah. So hmm. that's kind of, of your market. <clears throat> and is that a good market to get into? Well, they've already got Snapdragon. They already know how to make it as an octocore or a decacore or God knows what. So they they should be able to do something to spin it up. The question is, have they or will they? And, and it's a question mark for me. I don't I don't see them doing it. But I think if they were fast followers, they could see that Amazon's taken the first step, and that they should go ahead and turn that on, and you know sell into to Microsoft, sell into Google, and potentially sell into Amazon, and say, "Look, you, we know we made your own chip. Why not talk to us for the second gen?"
1: Hmm. That makes sense. They should do that. Okay. You know,
0: and the question is, where has been Nvidia in all this? Why is why is AMD not doing this stuff? And the answer is, those guys were paying so much attention to Bitcoin mining, to crypto mining, that they totally neglected their traditional graphics market and totally neglected their, the possibility of doing other things. You know, they were looking at machine learning and crypto mining. And that's cool. But, you know, what if you used the the GPU chips for other things? What if you went ahead and made these light, fast servers? So they they didn't really think about that as a space and now they're suffering for it they, they recognize that you know all our profits and stuff well crypto mining's kind of gone by the wayside because Bitcoin dipped below 3,600 bucks the other day um, they have a problem
1: I like the fact that these giant incredibly successful multi-billion dollar companies have the same problem I do of being attracted by like a shiny penny to something new and going off and doing other things It's kind of humanizing.
0: Well I mean when the money's flowing in, days are great, right? They get all the money yeah. rolling in because all the people are buying to build mining rigs and then that takes it, it turns off and they didn't predict it turn off and they didn't really have a plan for what would happen when it turned
1: off. They just kind of expected the money to keep rolling in. Right. Again, sounds a bit like me, although on a rather <laughs> smaller scale. Okay. <laughs> so, my phone, which by the way is now resting on a, a key charger yes I had a birthday recently
0: okay uh, all right uh, I'll get the key charger in a moment because I want to talk about something else here um, sure we were talking about servers in the cloud and and you know obviously when Amazon goes down they have incidents response they they are on it right The the worst failing that they ever had was when the half of the internet was down for about six hours Right. Which was catastrophic, and I'm sure their hair was on fire for it. You know, you're you're having computing problems, and have been for some time now, and we think we finally diagnosed it, right?
1: Yes, I need to fix my iMac. It boils down to that. Not the only problem. Well, had, a little bit more yeah.
0: detailed than that, right? It's your hard drive, isn't it?
1: Yes, and yeah, I find the iMac that's wrapped around it is the bit I like. So, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Spinning hard
0: drives are are kind of 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 a wonder. You know, we talk about how. Any kind of sufficiently advanced technology is, is basically the equivalent of magic, mm-hmm. is the old Isaac Asimov quote, more or less. The idea that you could take, you know, five, ten platters, coat them with, take, take them as glass platters, coat them with magnetic material, and then have ten arms flying back and forth across these platters with an air gap the width of a human hair. Yes. Okay. And you're going to trust all of your data to
1: this. You're going to trust your
0: livelihood to this. Isn't that, isn't that yeah. amazing and absurd at the same time?
1: Yeah, I'll go along with that. I mean, the, the, previously I trusted it all to paper and one copy of it all, so that was a bit flimsy too. Yeah. So.
0: But, but arms flying across spinning platters with an air gap of the width <laughs> of human hair, and it's yes. all of your livelihood and all of your data. And it's I mean it's it's absurd. It's a mechanical marvel, and it's
1: absurd. And they fail.
0: So the question is, what do
1: you do when you have a failure? Any chance you've got the answer, because at the moment I was having a lovely time and now I'm getting really worried and slightly weepy about all this. Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, so the thing is, is that when you have a failure, how do you respond? Because that's really what matters. The, these kinds of things are inevitable. When you have the the hard drive head flying at the gap air gap of a human hair, it's going to crash at some point, especially in a mobile device. But although we've mostly gone to SSD there, but in your iMac, you know, a bump on the table actually has an impact on the hard drive. There's a video online on YouTube of a fellow shouting at a hard drive. And you can see the data errors take place just from the vibration of his shouts, because that's that. Well, the hard drive head bumps into the platter,
1: right? Okay,
0: causes a data error. It's it's inevitable, and and all of this comes down to how you respond in the event of an incident. They, you know if you're doing a company if you're at a company and you're you're you know a five person startup or a 30 person or a 100 person or, or even a you know 2000 how you respond in incidents is how you recover. And it requires complex coordination between operations and software development teams. Getting alerts immediately is critical when an incident occurs. And that's why there's OpsGenie by Atlassian. Opsgenie empowers dev and ops teams to plan for service disruptions and stay in control during incidents, gives teams the power to respond quickly and efficiently to unplanned issues, helps to notify the right people through a smart combination of scheduling and escalation paths that take into account things like time zones and holidays, allows for deep flexibility in how, when, and where alerts are deployed, supported by over 200 integrations like Jira, Amazon CloudWatch, Datadog, New Relic, and more. And it tracks all activity and provides useful insights to improve future incident responses. With OpsGenie, your next incident doesn't stand a chance. Visit opsgenie.com to sign up to get a free company account and add up to five team members. That's opsgenie.com. Never miss critical alert again with OpsGenie. Now, you mentioned that you're charging your phone in a new way. Yes. So, first of all, happy birthday to you.
1: Thank you. That's a uh, 21. Of all, yes. Tell us what you bought yourself. <laughs> uh, myself. Uh, wait a minute. I'm not sure you know how birthdays work, <laughs> or are you just on the <laughs> Well, it depends if you're if you're lonely. Birthdays work by buying yourself a present. So tell me what you got. Okay, well I did buy myself a home pod. That was me. But uh, I was given an anchor a key. Is it? Do you pronounce it key? The QI charger, key, key charger, G G charger, which is on my desk now. And if I do this, there is my phone. It should have made a bleep, but I've got it on stun. Haven't I? So of course it didn't make a sound. Uh, yes, and it just sits there, and charges away. I must admit, I was asking you about uh, advice for it because. Uh, I, the first time I tried it, uh, I actually found my Apple case going really hot. And I don't know why that was since uh, in a couple of days since it hasn't. But then also, do I leave it on charge all the time? Um, there's so many possibilities. This is really a third world problem here, but do I leave it charging first, all day?
0: First, first, world problem, first world problem. First
1: world problem. Okay. I was more empathetic than you, but you were accurate. Yes. Okay. So
0: the heat. Right, heat heat is energy, yeah. Yes, and so when you are charging, you are putting energy into the thing, and if there is energy that it can't use to store the battery, where where's that energy go? Okay, into it my is, hand. It, it dissipates yes. as heat. Okay, and so you are are supplying power, and this is true of of lots of different sort of electrical. Situations, but but if you're applying power and you've got more going in, and it can't use it, it has to go somewhere. It's not. It's just doesn't. It's not lost. It has to go somewhere, so it dissipates as heat. And when you're charging with your pad, your case got hot because the battery inside your phone got hot.
1: Okay, I don't now, understand why that would happen the first time I tried it and not second. You
0: were fast. Well, it was in charging different rooms. rooms. You were fast charging oh, okay. the first time. The second time. You're, you you weren't necessarily fast charging or it was in different rooms and the temperatures, ambient temperatures were different. All kinds of variables here. But there's a charge controller inside the iPhone and the charge controller regulates how quick or how slow the battery charges. It tries to level the cells. It tries to basically protect the battery. You're right, And so that's why you'll see this. The case itself wasn't getting hot. It was that the battery was getting hot and you were experiencing that dissipating through the case. The... Other thing that you mentioned was, do you leave it on the charger all
1: the time? Yes, that's what I've been wondering, because the charger's on my desk. I'm at my desk most of the day. I I like the idea of always knowing my phone is, you know, charged when I get up to leave. But is it going to damage my battery forever? Yes. Okay. So what does one do about this? Here's
0: what happens, is that when you're at 100%, you're not actually at
1: 100%.
0: (gasps) You are rapidly fluctuating. Between 99 and 100 because as you use your phone, it is discharging some of the battery,
1: right? Oh, right. yes, of course. You're, yes. You know,
0: if it's on and it is, it's running your Wi-Fi radio, it's running your cellular radio, it's receiving and polling for email, it's doing all these things that it does and that uses battery, yes? Yes. Okay, okay. so it is draining itself down to do those functions at the same time as you are charging it. So it is rapidly charging and discharging it and that imposes some wear on the battery. Okay. Okay. So – If you want to avoid those rapid charge discharge cycles, when it's reached full capacity, take it off the charger. Okay. Let it, you know, slowly, casually, barely, as it's in its sort of energy conservation mode because you're not interacting with it, let it run down a few percent. You'll still have a few, you know, you'll be down a few percent, but you should be good,
1: right? Okay. Well, it's on 74% now. I'm going to do that. There it is. And it's charging away. Okay. But I will now totally forget about it and unless somebody phones me or something. Won't look until it's at 100%. That's going to worry me. Okay.
0: Bye. I, I understand that that's going to worry. But, but this is the – you know, if you want your battery to last and last and last and last, there are things you can do like don't charge it overnight because overnight it's doing that charge-discharge thing. The other thing you can do is don't necessarily always charge it up to 100 if you charge it up to 70, let's say, mm-hmm. then it will last longer.
1: Well, in one sense, but uh, although I, I'm very pleased
0: obviously, with the battery here. it won't be there when you need it during the course of the day. But this is the compromise. Is battery technology is not perfect. Okay. We have yet to attain the perfect battery. It is it is a, a chemical composition. There are electrical properties and they wear out. And it, you can prolong their life by doing things like not charging overnight and like only charging to 70 for, you know, regular use when you know you'll be near a charger later. And then charging to 100 when you absolutely need it for the full day and won't be near a charger at all kind of thing. Okay. Uh-huh. It's It's about – these compromises and adjusting your habits for the compromises that make sense for you. Now, if you're fine with your battery health being 70% at the end of two years.
1: Well, then, um, I think it's been worse than that before. So, okay. Right,
0: yes. But, you know, if that's, if that's the case, if you're okay with that because you know that you're getting a new phone in a year anyway and that two years doesn't matter
1: to you, then by all means
0: carry on and do as you do.
1: Right. That does seem a bit irresponsible in a way. But, okay, yes, I see the logic. Again, it's interesting the combination of uh, technical issues and, and human nature, my inability to concentrate on the fact that I need to take it off, my uh, possible desire to change earlier than I really need. It's, uh, it's a complex interplay here, you know.
0: It is, it is. And, you know, these are things that you have to decide for yourself. I can't advise you on. But all I can tell you is is that wireless charging, as convenient as it is, is the compromise that it can tend to wear out your battery faster than using wired charging.
1: Okay. Right.
0: Because of that, leaving it on and having it cycling between
1: 99 and 100. But you said about that happening overnight. uh, And I'm thinking, I was assuming the fact that I charge overnight on a wired thing. If I continue doing that wired, then I'm fine. If if I do it on this charger overnight.
0: No, if you do it overnight wired, you're bad too.
1: Okay. Less bad though? Are there degrees of badness to which I should be attaining?
0: Probably the same amount of audience.
1: Okay, right. Well, I've long given up on good, so you know it's important to be clear where we stand. Okay,
0: there uh, there is a great benefit to waking up to a fully charged phone. I get it, but yes. if if your phone is in do not disturb and you don't have a whole lot, you know, doing, you should have battery in the morning. It'd be interesting to see how that actually works out. Go ahead and, and check on that and see how you do.
1: Right, and if it doesn't work out, then I'm stuffed for the day. Then, so accept
0: the compromise but you're not entirely stuffed you're, you have chargers during the day like you said you leave it on your desk so,
1: yes but i am i mean tomorrow i'm not at my desk for example I, and say so really I, I feel tomorrow. yeah i feel as it is your idea you should do this science experiment and, and report back to me and i'll just trust you completely on the results uh,
0: well so what i have done is i i have when i travel i use a different phone that has USB C fast charging and I will charge it to 70 and go with it knowing that I've got a fast charger and within 15 minutes I can be up around, you know, 50 or 60% of battery anyway. Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, there are some advantages to using the USB-C fast charging.
1: Yes. I see that. Uh, I see a disadvantage as well. You know, as, I presume you're using an Android phone there. As, so.
0: as said, these are all compromises and I have yet to acquire a phone that, Has the USB C, the lightning capability. Okay. There are all compromises in place. It's a sad
1: world, isn't it? It's it's a desperately sad life we lead with all of these devices.
0: (laughs) That even when we beat these compromises, even when we beat these limitations in the future, in this glorious future, in the great wide open, when all of our battery troubles are solved,
1: there will still be other compromises. (laughs) Okay. Right. Why don't we just give up and go back to paper and pen? Be done with it. Get on with everything else. I, uh, no. Okay. Well, thank you for considering. Yes. That. <laughs> I had to fill out a passport form recently, and because I use Text Expander, uh, I, I write the letters X E M, and it just springs out into my email address. Like a lot of people use Text Expander, but I actually wrote in the form in the little boxes X E M and. Just for a moment, wondered why it wasn't. <laughs> that's a good new form, actually. But let's, you know, let's put that behind me. So yes. Yeah. Well,
0: but but here's the thing: is that forms are kind of antiquated too, right? You, you go online, and I downloaded my passport renewal form, and, which I need to send off, by the way. And it's a PDF, and you now have to take this PDF and try and fill out the PDF. Mm. This is so antiquated. There are. You know, here, here's a PDF, go and try and fill out the PDF in your browser. Oh, come yes. on. That's, that, give me a break. <laughs> what what year is it that I can't fill out a web form and have it populate your lousy PDF if you really need it to kind of thing?
1: This is nuts. <laughs> yes, I couldn't. Uh, could I agree more? Yes, but only just. It's very difficult, broadly okay. speaking.
0: Only yes. barely. So let's, let's – I want to talk another minute. We got, we're running out of time here because I know you have to go. Um, Thank you. Google Fi. Google has, yes. this, has this service in America called Project Fi. It was called Project Fi as of yesterday. It's now Google Fi, which means A, it's no longer a project. It's now something Google tend to support long-term, which is good as opposed to uh, Google Fiber, which now has been relegated to being just a small program or access that they're not expanding anymore. So Google Fi is their wireless internet access and cell phone service. It's MVNO, which is a mobile virtual network operator. Basically what they do, is they license Spectrum – they license to be able to use the towers from Sprint and T-Mobile, which is convenient, especially since Sprint and T-Mobile are trying to merge. And what they were doing is they required you to use a Google Nexus phone or a Google Pixel phone. And when you used a a Project Fi SIM card, they would rapidly switch between Sprint and T-Mobile cell towers seamlessly as needed to keep calls going. So if you were in a weak T-Mobile area, they'd switch over to Sprint and vice versa. Hmm. And – You were required to use their phone for that purpose and for that functionality and also to activate the SIM. You could not activate the SIM without doing it in that phone. They have decided by changing it to Google Fi and not a project to support compatible Android phones and iPhone in beta support. Now, in iPhone, they don't allow you to switch between networks. You're just using T-Mobile basically. And that's fine. What I was doing when I used this was I'd activated it in my Google phone, my Android phone, and then put the SIM in the iPhone. And it worked. You were just on T-Mobile. But you couldn't set it up or manage the account or do any of those things from the iPhone because they were a desktop web browser layout or the, the Project Fi app, which is only available on the Nexus or Pixel. What they've done is they've gone ahead and created the iOS app that allows you to manage all your account and activate your SIM. And so you can go ahead and do that. Now, uh, 5S, SE, and, and newer are supported. 5C and iPhone 5 are not. And that's that goes back to the 32-bit, 64-bit app thing, really. I have gone ahead and signed up for the Project 5SIM. I did it using the iOS app, and we'll be talking about that on appleinsider.com soon. Excellent. Their deal is that they allow you to roam internationally for the same prices as you do at home, use your data internationally, same prices as at home. They are $10 a gigabyte of data up until six gig, after which it's all free and throttle a little bit. But they have family plans in there where if you open up more lines, they limit the maximum amount. So it's an interesting thing to look at. I, I need to decide if I'm going to do that or not. The problem is that T-Mobile service has been so lousy. I've been waiting for them to implement 5G because for 5G, they're said to get it all better.
1: Right. Yes. It's always going to be better with the next G, but okay. Well, when they now have to
0: thinking... redo all of their towers, that's the chance uh, okay. to make the coverage work.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Right. I was being unnecessarily sarky there. I'm sorry, T-Mobile. Uh, but you may not even need them. You may stick with googlyfied or whatever it's called.
0: Well, I, I mean, that's that's what they're doing. I, I'm, I'm not on their plan currently, although I have signed up a phone for it. I, uh, I, I think that that Google Fi, because they're using T-Mobile's towers, will benefit from T-Mobile upgrading like that.
1: Okay, so rising tide, everybody wins. That's what it is. All right.
0: Um, another thing we need to talk about here is that Drive Savers, data recovery firm, has sold a passcode lockout recovery service for customers, basically, the the they they're claiming that they have a hundred percent success rate with iPhones, regardless of passcode length, and that you can uh, use it to unlock passcode locked iPhones. Now, obviously, that won't help you if you have an iCloud locked iPhone, but if it's just a passcode locked one, then they can get in.
1: now hang on, I'm not clear of the distinction. There. Uh,
0: okay. Passcode how, is hmm. the the numerical digit or password that you have at the beginning of your iPhone to unlock to the, get to the yes. home screen. Yes. iCloud lock is if you have your device enabled with Find My iPhone, and you lose it, then you can lock the device, and it requires your iCloud username and password or email oh, password right. to okay. get in, yes. and then be able to unlock the device. And so what happens is there are people who steal devices, and if you, you don't iCloud lock them through Find My iPhone, then they basically have a free device.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Um, I have a friend whose wife was in Barcelona, and she was on a call, and the phone was stolen out of her hand while she was on the call. And I advised my friend to lock the phone, and he did, and he put an emergency message on the screen saying, please text me if mm. want to return the phone well they texted him but they fished him they sent him a text that said hi we've located your phone we need the uh, apple id to to verify it's <laughs> yours and he gave them the password oh, which unlocked okay. the phone and now the yes. free phone
1: okay well points to them for just far i suppose but ouch okay right yeah. that's expensive text exchange yes
0: and he wasn't even concerned about the cost of the phone he said you know what forget it. i was going to upgrade her phone anyway he just wanted to make sure that the data was secure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oops. Yes. 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 Yeah. Well, lesson learned. So I in guess. that
0: event, reset all your passwords and turn on two factor on everything. Yes. That is that is the lesson. Um and two factor via SMS is terrible because it puts your two factor key right back in the hands of the people that stole the phone. Yes. <laughs> so that's the comment on that. Um iPad smart connector. Andrew oh yes. Hara. Andrew O'Hara, our one and only, wrote about this. And basically, what he's saying is that, so, the smart connector that was on the original iPad Pros was in one position. The smart connector on the new iPad Pros has moved. Yes. And that this is brain dead.
1: Agree or disagree? Well, uh, I heard the rumors that it was going to move and people were saying this was a terrible idea and then it moved and I thought, well, this is typical Apple. Everyone says something you tell me. But I couldn't see the difference. Um, I, don't, I don't... No, actually, I do have a smart connector on my original iPad, but I've, I can't remember the last time I tried connecting it. So uh, what's the difference, really?
0: Well, so there were very few accessories. There were a bunch promised originally as the idea was this was going to be awesome. But Pretty much Apple made a few things for it and Logitech made a couple of things for it. Oh, yes. Yeah.
1: So I used the Logitech Create uh, keyboard case for a while. It was like adding a, a sailboat to your iPad. It's was yeah. huge. Yes.
0: Right. And so – well, but the benefit was that, that the keyboard had a battery in it that could also charge the iPad. Right. Right? Which was a neat idea. But it didn't really go anywhere. Apple didn't make any accessories for it beyond this and third parties certainly didn't. Well, by by moving the connector – They've just rendered all of the Logitech stuff that was released obsolete. And they've created the very real fear that Apple could move it again, rendering whatever else anyone makes now obsolete. So basically, they've crippled this port.
1: Okay, for everybody but themselves. uh, But they also
0: aren't doing a whole lot with it.
1: Or not yet.
0: So what's it for? I Um, mean, basically, if – the biggest issue that we heard was third parties weren't really happy with the Pogo pin implementation. And Pogo pins are are basically spring-loaded pins so that they push themselves to make contact. Uh, hmm. That design remains the same. But by moving the port and not addressing those complaints, no one's going to use this, which is a big waste because it was an interesting idea.
1: Yes, I like the sound of it when it came out. I'm surprised I hadn't realized that I hadn't used it. Um, yeah. Okay. That seems unfortunate
0: it is it really is you know and then this is something that apple does right apple invents a port and with the exception of lightning or thirty pin it never really takes off and they've done this they did this a number of times they did this with the pro speakers that used a funky port that uh, was only on the G4 cube years ago and the iMac they did this with ADC a Apple display connector they used to use their own port for ethernet years and years and years ago back in the dark ages they did this before many they moved to mini display port on the laptops they had um, a a weird display connector for a while so they invent their own connectors and with the exception of lightning and and uh 30 pin Pretty much, no one picks up on it, hmm. and this is another example of them doing something, and not telling anyone what's it for, and crippling it by moving <laughs> it around and by not addressing the complaints of the people that are, have to work with it.
1: So, really, all they're doing is compressing the life cycle of a port, creating it, uh, using it, and killing it, but just a lot faster than normal. So, points for efficiency in a weird way. I got nothing else. I don't know what they could possibly do.
0: It's um, it's just it's bizarre. Hmm. It's really bizarre because you know there are very smart people who are working on this. Very, They, they had to pitch this. It, did. it had to get approved. It had to get approved all the way up the management chain, right? Yes. And they had to talk about all the potential that they could use this thing for. And that totally hasn't worked. And yet it continued on to the new one in a new place.
1: Which suggests they went through all the same discussions again. I think, yeah. Right. Um, I, I would hope then that just, there's just as an episode we're missing. There's something we don't know yet um, that will make it work. But
0: well, we had Ken Kashend on here talking about creative selection and how how there was a very evolutionary process for things to live or die at Apple. Hmm. Things had to be challenged and stand on their own. How has this stood?
1: Well, again, only presumably by something we don't know. Except this is the second generation of it, not. Uh, doing something or least so far so i don't know hmm.
0: well that's hmm. all the time i have this week that's all the time you have this week let's get you out of here yes. okay. where can people find you on the internet
1: i'm on twitter as uh w gallagher and you can email me email me as william at appleinsider.com
0: I'm vmarx on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back next week. Send William your email. Send me your email. We will address your questions. We are thinking about how to make this more interactive. We like you guys. We will see you back next week.